carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. You're in the mainframe. It's eating through Greg's entire system. Access encoded. Gigabyte of RAM should do the trick. We're in. We're in. We're in. We're in. We're in. Co-founder and CEO of We Hack Purple Academy. She used to be a software developer, and she has made it her mission to help everyone write secure code. So Tanya is also the author of Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. It's it's sort of a roadmap for building secure software. Sounds like having mastered cryptography, Alice and Bob are ready to move on to the software development life cycle. You get it? Wait, did you just make a dad joke? I think it might be a more of a beginner cryptography joke, but maybe... Well, we can't wait to hear from Tanya either way. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Attackers scan your systems daily. You just don't get the report. Synax security testing platform stands out by drawing on a trusted network of global security researchers. From web apps to headless APIs, our platform helps you find and fix gaps in your security posture. Learn more at synac.com. That's S-Y-N-A-C-K.com. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Uh, it is, it's really awesome to have you here. Uh, Jeremiah and I are both very excited to get to chat with you today. I've actually seen you speak twice, both virtually, at the last two Diana initiatives. And both of your talks were phenomenal, of course. But additionally, like one thing that I very much remember, in addition to the purple hair that I saw the first time, uh, I very much remember you as like probably one of the most enthusiastic and like genuinely passionate people that I've ever heard talk about security. <laughs> so I'm especially excited to talk with you today. I think obviously that makes for a great a great podcast conversation. But I wanted to f- to start by talking about We Hack Purple um and just kind of get can can you tell us a little bit about what that is and why you started it? Basically what I was trying to do with We Hack Purple was make a place where Every single type of person felt welcome. So whether they were someone who'd been a dev for 20 years and they're just curious about making a better app, or if someone used to be a nurse and now they are changing careers and they want to become a security professional and they're like, I'm not sure exactly where I fit into this whole cyber thing yet. Um, I wanted to make a place where basically everyone felt comfortable and welcome and that they could just, they could learn at whatever level they're at. So we even have introductory stuff for if you don't know any information security at all. Um, and so when you join the community, everyone like is like, hello, hi. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> and then there's a bunch of articles kind of to start off. And then you can say, oh, well, I, I know nothing. Um, and you can sign up for like a, we call it drip, like a drip content. So once a week, you get a little lesson to your inbox. Or you could just jump right in and take a course and just be like, teach me everything <laughs> now, Jedis. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And we just want we wanted to make a place where people felt comfortable because when I I switched from software development into security, I found sometimes people call it gatekeeping, but it's it felt like no one wanted to teach me and no one wanted to show me how. And it was like, there are these great, amazing secrets, but they're keeping them from me. And I was like, I want to know everything. I want to be really good at this. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. In software development, it's like, hey, see this cool function I wrote? But in security, it's like, you'll never know. Yeah, that, that's. I think like, I have like a very similar experience when I first, I remember like 
when I first started getting into the security industry, I had so many questions, of course. And like, this was, I was fresh out of college. I was so excited. I had so much energy. I wanted the same kind of experience. I just wanted to know everything. And I like distinctly remember so many people telling me like, oh, there's resources online. You can just find information. And I like distinctly remember thinking like, well, that's great, but like where and how do I pay for them? And like, I think it, it's really, I've been really passionate about finding new or like not even necessarily new, but like finding all of the ways that we can like teach new folks about cybersecurity without asking them to like fork over $5,000 for a certification. Yeah. When I started, so I'm Canadian and the Canadian dollar is worth a lot less than the American dollar. And so when I would look at training courses, and we also pay a lot more tax. And so um, I pay around half of each paycheck to tax. And so I remember looking <laughs> at one of the courses and I was like, this is literally 20% of my take home for the entire oh year God, yeah. for one class. Wow. And I was like, there's no way I could possibly ever afford this. And I taught. I remember telling my boss and my boss laughing so hard and he's like holding his belly laughing and laughing and laughing and he's like you want ten thousand yeah. dollars canadian <laughs> yeah. dollars so that i could afford yeah. like a six and a half thousand dollar course so you can take one week course he's like are you going to come back and be a ninja are you gonna be able to like secure apps with your mind and i'm like well it's actually like the first <laughs> level and then and right. he's just like oh, ha, ha, ha. he's like yeah and our budget was $2,500 a year. And I was like, what if I saved up for four years? And he's just like, you're not allowed doing that. So I would be taking the entire team's budget for you to take one course. He's like, that I, Tanya, it's selfish. I can't do that. I'm sorry. And I was like, okay. So then I found a workaround. And I just, I figured out if I give a talk at a conference. Yes, there it is. <laughs> so... Like, I'll be at a conference in person and they'll be like, hey, let's chat. I'm like, come with me. There's a super cool presentation happening. I really, really want to see it. And like, the joke's on all of you. I'm here to learn. I felt really similarly. Like, I have always loved the idea of conferences. I love the idea of getting to like network with people in industry and learn from like the, the people that I look up to, just like have them in front of me talking to me. That's amazing. I'm actually kind of curious. On, I'd like to go back to the We Hack Purple again, actually, because it's such a cool initiative. I'm looking at the website as we speak. And I see that you can sort of request to join. Who is that for and, and who all can participate? So we used to, when we first started, we charged $7 a month or $70 a year to join. And that created a barrier to entry. Um, but it also helped fund my startup because from the first month, basically, I was able to pay all my bills. So then suddenly I had a runway in order to do, because like when you're starting a startup, you don't immediately have income, right? And so I was really lucky that basically a lot of people that support, that really support what I do are like, I'll give you seven bucks, no problem. And so before I know it, I could pay my bills. And I was like, okay, this is, I like, I don't live an extravagant lifestyle. So it was not that hard. But so I'm like, okay, so now I sort of have this endless runway. But then I started creating courses and I started doing enterprise training. Enterprise training pays really well. And so then I reached out to everyone in the community and I said, okay, so I kind of want to make the community free because I don't want people for whom, because for some people, $7 is a lot. Like in Canada, $7 isn't very much, but in India, it really is. And so I was like, I want to find a way where the barrier to entry is not financial, but I still want to have some sort of barrier to entry because I don't want it to be a place where 
I want like the barrier to entry to be effort. And so the platform that we're on is called Mighty Networks. And so then I reached out within their community and people said the best one is make them answer a few questions and they just have to type. So basically you're just like, what is your name? And why do you want to join? And as long as their answer isn't so I can harass others or so I can sell all my products to everyone because advertising is not allowed in the community. And then we have a big long code of conduct about, and it's like really, really specific. So it's like racism is not allowed and sexism is not allowed. And But we also get a, a bit more specific. Like if we have an event, you're still following the code of conduct at the event, even if you're not inside the community. And if we have an event, and then you all go off and do something after. We can't enforce the code of conduct. But if we hear about a bunch of you going to a bar after and making a scene and having a bar fight, like we're going to talk with you. And the thing isn't to throw people out. The thing is to try to figure out where there's miscommunications and talk about it. And so then we formed this basically big um, organization of volunteers that helped me moderate everything. And everything's going so far really well. We've twice asked people to take down posts. And one of them were like, could you just reword it? Because the way you worded it was a bit making some people uncomfortable. But the other one was like, it's an advertisement for a product. I'm like, we're not allowed to do that here. Like, like if you work somewhere, you're allowed saying like, I work here, we're hiring. That's cool. But you're not allowed being like, our product is the absolute best product. And you must buy this product now. I'm like, okay, so sorry. You can't do that. But if you wanted to give a demo of your product, like, and we could plan an event and then people know it's an event, they decide yes or no, they want to show up. And so we've had several products demoed. Uh, like it sounds weird, but when you're an AppSec professional, you're expected to advise on buying these products that sometimes cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you've never seen them before, it's really intimidating. And then as soon as you want a copy of it to make your proof of concept, the sales team descends. <laughs> and you get calls and emails. And you're like, oh yeah. my God, wow. Um, it never goes like, away. Yeah. So we started just inviting people to just give a demo. And I'm like, it's not a sales pitch about why your product's the best. It's like, here's the problem and here's how we have chosen to solve it. This is how it works. And a lot of people have been attending them. And people told me like, no one's going to like that. But we asked the community, do you want this? So basically, like I hold votes a lot and let the community decide, Um, which might sound weird, but I find that that's better. Sounds democratic. (laughs) Like. I think particularly like as a like woman in cybersecurity, I'm constantly seeing like communities geared towards like either women or people new to the field or things like that. Like I feel like in in cybersecurity, but also just in in tech in general, I feel like there actually is kind of a large push to like finding your community. And I guess I'm wondering like, why do you think that is? Um, when I was a software developer, I never joined any software development communities. And I would talk to a lot of devs, but I, I, I would network, I would say, rather than like, I wouldn't go to dev meetups. I wouldn't do any of that because I was like, I'm building code. I keep getting promoted. I assume <laughs> everything's fine. And, and I was also a professional musician for a really long time. And so I would spend lots of time. Cool. In what the did music you play? Community. Um, drums, guitar, and I sing. That's so cool. Um, so I had five solo albums out and I was in a bunch of punk rock bands and I like, yeah, like I played the same music festivals of, was like Rancid and Follow Casual. Boys, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, <laughs> what? yeah, yeah. So like, if you look on Spotify, those are my albums. Under so- my name. <laughs> and, um, and so I would do that and I'd spend lots of time in those communities and I like helped start a music festival for women called Lady Fest. And, and I would kind of go in a lot of those circles for community and then. When I was trying to switch to cybersecurity, 
I was like, well, you can just buy a book on how to learn Python, but yeah. there was no yeah. book on how to learn AppSec. And there were two or three books on pen testing at the time, and they were all network pen testing and not web app pen testing. And I was like, well, I want to be really good at this. And I don't know. So I stumbled upon OWASP, the Open Web Application Security Project. And basically, there are these two local guys, Nadim and Sharif, running it. And I was like, this is so cool. And so then I asked Sharif, like, can we ever capture the flight contest? He's like, yes, if you take the lead in running it, because I organize all the other stuff. And I'd organized a zillion, like, a zillion concerts. Right. So I'm like, no it's problem. the same thing Got this. <laughs> in the bag. Yeah. So then, it, well, no, I eventually organized <laughs> oh, four or five so of cool. them. Like every year we had one and it got bigger and bigger. And then after a, a few months, he's like, do you want to start organizing talks too? Like, are there specific comfort, like topics you want to see or speakers you want to see? And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can choose what it's going to be about. And so then he made me one of the leaders and then I went and I went to the international OWASP event. I got to meet all these other amazing leaders. And I, I was like, what do you do at your chapter? And like, how's that going? And then I met this woman named Nicole Becker. And it was like friendship at first sight. <laughs> like at the moment we met. And so she had made this intentionally vulnerable app. And I was giving a demo of it at a conference. And um, unbeknownst to me, someone had hacked that at her website so badly the night before they'd taken it down. And I'm like, there, and it's not working. And so I put this email out to all the leaders of OWASP around the planet, like 1,400 people. And I was like, this website's there. Can anyone help me? And then the most famous software developer response of all time, an hour later, try now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Look over God and like deleted the the we've deployed the whole thing and she updated the web server and she's like try now and i'm like yeah it works oh my gosh thank you and then like two months later i'm in ireland speaking at my first international conference and um i'm tall i'm like five nine and nicole's very tiny um small woman and so my friend tiffany is like she taps this tiny woman ahead of me on the shoulder and she's like hey nikki remember that that lady that was trying to use your site, this is Tanya. And then we spent the rest of the time together. We were like inseparable. And then she's like, do you want to start an open source project with me? I'm like, you have me at hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have me at open source. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so do you think yeah. it like, I think like, yeah. I feel like I hear not, not exactly the same story. I feel like that's a very unique, very unique path to finding community. But I feel like I hear a lot of like, a lot of my peers have, like elements of similar stories of like, you know, wanting to find, like, I guess, like, do you think it, it comes a lot of our, like, as a, as a, as an industry, our community seeking, do you think it comes from just like, there isn't another great way to learn from one another? Cause I also struggle with finding the right resources. Like, I think I have the one comprehensive web pen testing book that exists. <laughs> I do feel like it's really hard to figure out what to learn. Like when, um, so when I made my AppSec Foundations program, it was all the stuff that I had spent five years or six years learning. And I was like, this is my my personal approach to per, like creating an application security program and then making sure it succeeds. And I had people who are like, I've been doing this 15 years and I took your course. And I, and like, I don't mean to sound rude, but I was expecting to learn nothing. And then I was like, 
oh crap, I never thought of it that way. Or like, oh, that's an excellent idea for this. Or, oh, we could do that if we tried. And, and so I feel like it's really hard to figure out where to learn these things. I feel like it's really hard to form a network and find your first job. So when I graduated computer science, I had already had several jobs in computer science. It's extraordinarily rare that cybersecurity hires interns because of security clearance levels and because they're not sure if they can trust someone to keep their trap shut. <laughs> and yeah. like, like I've done anti-terrorism work. You think we're going to hire an intern? No, we are not. <laughs> yeah. And so there's less opportunities for junior people. And, and it's also because for some reason, or in, because, so when you study to become an accountant, you graduate, you take the exam and you're an accountant and you know how to do accounting. But if you take a course at this place, that place, and the other place, that doesn't mean you're a good tester. <laughs> doesn't mean you know how to do AppSec. So we don't have a really good way to measure. Requires some experience. And a lot of the people who are doing the hiring don't know how to qualify the person that they're hiring. And so they're like, well, you have to have this certification or you have to have 10 years experience. And I only, I'm working on my ninth year of security. And so yeah. I was telling someone today, yeah, when I was in Ottawa, all these guys so all, all the main consultant pen testers were guys. They would all get the contracts and then they'd subcontract them to me to do because I am a little AppSec nerd. And, but they had 10 years experience and I didn't. So I didn't qualify. And so I had someone ask me a few weeks ago and they sent me this job description for their AppSec lead. And I'm like, so I wrote the best-selling book on AppSec for English. It's the only one. And I don't qualify for your job. So who does qualify for the job you posted? If I'm not good enough for that job, and they're like, well, of course we'd hire you, Tanya. Like you're a world-renowned expert. I'm like, but I, if you read your qualifications, I, I don't qualify. Right, right. I think, and I don't yeah. know how to say this, but I don't know if I would have the guts to apply for a job that says you absolutely must have ten years. I have, I'm like, I'm almost that nine, so I'd probably still apply. But when, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. think about it though if all the jobs say you must have 10 years and our industry has only really developed over the past five or six years for AppSec, like it's yep. only gotten big, then who are you looking yeah, for? Yeah. One of the like big, uh, one of the memes. big, like a piece of advice that someone gave to me when I was first um, getting into this industry that I constantly pass along to other people, um, which is silly when I say it out loud, bear with me, uh, is when, when I read job descriptions, I ignore the requirements I read everything else and I focus particularly on the like, what will you do in this role? Because that's like, if I, if I think I can do that, then great. But I skip over the requirements. I never read them because either I like, I've never read a set of requirements that I felt like I met ever. And like, I, I have gotten jobs in this industry. I'm currently working in this industry. I don't think that I met the job requirements like on paper of the job that I'm even in now because they're so frequently written in a way that's like not attainable. So anyways, I don't read them. I tell other people not to read them, but that's silly. <laughs> that 100% is actually brilliant. Agree. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually do the exact same thing. I think like there in this industry, there are whole memes that are created uh, just because of how ridiculous some of the job advertisements are for this career field or the field as a whole. 
um, you know, 20 plus years of cybersecurity pen testing experience coupled with 15 years of developer experience. And oh, by the way, you've got to be a pilot and you also <laughs> have to have uh, uh, done some whaling in the past. And on top of that, if you could also uh, make a pizza from scratch, then that's the bonus. I don't like that. sounds like so the requirements for you know? time to retire. I don't, <laughs> that's not. Um, There was a few things that you mentioned that kind of tie into this thing that I saw that you do, which is um, Cyber Mentoring Monday. I was wondering if you could speak more about that. Awesome. I'd love to. So every Monday on Twitter, I use this hashtag called Cyber Mentoring Monday to try to help people find professional mentors. And it started because professional mentors are what helped me launch my security career and then helped me launch my company and then help me get my company acquired. And so I've gotten new professional mentors as I have done new things in my career. And people started writing me and saying, well, will you be my professional mentor? And at first I said, yes. And then I had four people I was mentoring and I, and that's awesome. But someone else asked and I said, oh, well, then I won't have time for my mentees that I currently have. And then I'll be a crappy mentor. Um, and so then someone else asked and someone else asked. So then I did this post on LinkedIn and I said, listen, this person I know is looking for a professional mentor in this and I want to help, but I don't have time to be their mentor. Would anyone respond? And all these people started responding. And then a bunch of other people started saying, oh, well, I actually need a mentor too. And it ended up having a thousand comments. I'm surprised we didn't break LinkedIn because their notification system <laughs> yeah. really stinks compared is, to like yeah. others. overwhelming. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. And so then I wanted to figure out a way that I could help people find professional mentors. So with my OWASP chapter, we started a mentoring program and we had like 10 mentors get up and offer to mentor people. And then people lined up and we did sort of like speed dating mentoring. So like they had like five or 10 minutes with each person and then they decided who they thought would be good. And it didn't work very well. Like I would love to tell you how it worked perfectly and everything was great and it was a happy ending, but it was more like some of them connected and some of them just didn't. And that's life. Like one of my mentees fired me. She was super ticked and she's just like, you don't give me lessons and you don't, she wanted like this formal structure university style. And I was like, I can't provide that for you. And, and then eventually she readjusted her things. And then it's funny because now we're good friends. But she was like very frustrated because I guess she'd had another professional mentor who had been a professional professor and like would create weekly lessons and spend many, many hours per week. And I was like, I can't offer that. And so wow. then I, I put this post and it was just mentoring Monday. And I was like, are you looking for a professional mentor? Are you looking for a way to give back to the community? Are you willing to take someone under your wing? And just hundreds and hundreds of people answered the first week. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this every Monday. For I'm, I'm sure after a few months, like, We'll run out of people, but no, every Monday. So many, many people, if you follow that hashtag, are going to post every single Monday and just try to help people connect. So you need to put yourself out there, though. So first of all, don't. Some of the people are like, "Yeah, I want a mentor too," and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, "Tell me more." Well, I'm so motivating. I have had a few mentors at like really critical points in my like education and career um, shifting into into this space. And like for me, having mentors that helped me get to where I am, I mean, like just essential for for everything that I've done so far. But like I think like one of the one of the marks of like a really great mentor is being able to see exactly what you need, right? Like having a professional who knows what they're talking about say to you, like, okay, it's time. Like you can do this. 
do it. Like that makes such a huge difference. And I think like, I I don't know, I, I know for me, I won't speak for anyone else, but for me, that has like absolutely helped me progress in my career. Absolutely. And I feel too like professional mentors, because they have experience in the area you're trying to learn, they'll be able to say things like, this is the book that changed my career, or you need to meet this person, or even just like a recommendation for something that you might not have thought of. But I've had so many key introductions made, like it was one of my professional mentors idea. She's like, someone wants to buy your company. And I had started We Hack Purple like maybe two months earlier. And I, she's like, it's just an aqua hire. They're just, they're just trying to hire you basically. I'm like, yeah, I haven't built yeah. anything yet. Like I have one course and it, and I filmed it in a weekend. Like it's not good. Um, I mean like the con the topics were good, but it wasn't, it wasn't like professional. Right. And she's like, yeah, it's an aqua hire. I guess like, do you want a job with a big pay bonus? Right. Being able to find that out for you, like figure out what's, yeah. 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 And then, and then two years later, check in with me and say like, you know, someone, someone has a a more serious interest and they actually mean it this time. Do you want to meet them? And I was like, Whoa. And I didn't end up selling my company to them. It ended up being like many companies down the line that we decided where it was like a really good click because you, you're going to work with these people for several years after and you want to make what they're doing a success and you have to like make sure you're actually on board and you agree. And like, for me, especially it's like this product better be really awesome or I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so like all these things like, and having, and having the guts to say no to someone offering you a big hunk of money and stability when you're like, I'm in charge of the livelihood for all the people that work at this company. And that's pressure, right? And if someone's like, we'll just like throw a whole bunch of money at you. And it's like, well, that is exciting, but that's not what actually is right for me. And that's not what is right for my team. Our listeners can't see this, but in the background behind you, there is a couple of books that I've been eyeing. And I believe that is the Allison Bob uh, Learn Application (laughs) Security, right? Yes. You wrote that book. I was kind of curious about it because we're hearing things like application security all the time. And and is there a big difference between application security and penetration testing together? I'm, I know application security personally is kind of a big deal. And um, I was just wondering if you could speak more about that and some additional insights that you had in creating that. Okay, so when I wanted to learn security, I was like, great, I'm just going to read a book. <laughs> My library had Kevin Mitnick books. And although it was an interesting and exciting tale that he told, it didn't teach me any security, like the book that they had. Uh, and then I read Gray Hat Hacking. I read the Shell Coders Handbook, etc. But there was no book about how to do the job of application security. And so I wanted to create the book that I wished I could have had, if that makes sense. And so application security is the security of software. It's the part of computer science. So computer science is a a big nebulous. And then below that, a subsection of our industry is cybersecurity and information security. And then a subsection below that is the security of software. And how do we ensure that every time we create software and every time we're releasing it, that it's safe for our customers or our citizens or our employees to use. And so application security is all the things that you do to make sure that people are safe using your stuff and the information that they put into it and whatever they're using it for is safe. And so um, 
I wrote that book because that book didn't exist and I really wanted it. And I also wrote it partially because, um, so I'm dyslexic, I'm learning disabled, that's what it's called. But basically I learn in a different way. I still learn lots of stuff all the time. And so I wanted to create a textbook that wasn't so hard to read. Like when I read textbooks, it's like, I'm going to fall asleep. (laughs) This is like so long. And so I wanted to have a book that was full of stories of like my stories, stories of Alice and Bob, things that happened to them. I wanted to have like diagrams and pictures and I wanted to be able to explain things in multiple different ways. Like one of my technical editors was saying to me, this is the third time that you're explaining what DevOps is and you're just saying it in a different way. I don't know why you need to say it three ways. Like you drew a picture, Tanya. Do we really need a picture? And I'm like, I'm doing it so that every single different type of learner understands. That's why I'm doing it three different ways, because apparently you need to hear a very abstract concept in three different ways in order to completely understand it. And I want people to know that by the end. And I want people to really know, you know, the difference between dynamic or static analysis, for instance. And I'm like, and so I'm explaining it different ways and using pictures and all these other things to make sure by the end of the book, people like it. And I've had people tell me, like, I picked it up Friday and I finished reading it Sunday afternoon. And it was like, a pleasure. And that was like a huge goal in writing a book that you could learn the stuff, but it didn't hurt. Um, And I I don't mean that as an insult to other people that write textbooks, because they're teaching and that is important. But I wanted to write a book that would be easier for someone like me to consume. And like, I struggled with the shell coders handbook, I struggled with the web application hackers handbook. I like just struggled through these things where it's big, like the person that wrote it is brilliant. Oh my gosh, it's like bigger than the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's like three Just Bibles like size alone, grand. even so if cute. you can comprehend all of the information, like first pass through, it's it's a lot to digest. <laughs> and that's what like, I, I feel like that's what intense. every other resource is. Like, I think like when I first learned the phrase application security, it was explained to me as, oh, that's web penetration testing. Like, here's the book on it. <laughs> oh, Okay, let me explain the difference. I forgot, Jeremiah, the second half of your question. So penetration testing is a person doing manual intense analysis of one application to try to find every single vulnerability that they possibly can. And then they try to exploit the vulnerabilities to make sure they're real. And then they write a report telling you all about them and like why you should be afraid, why you should fix them, and then hopefully advice about how to fix them. And so a person that does that job, so I did that job for maybe a year and a half, you have to be very patient. You have to be very determined. You have to be very thorough and detail-oriented. And um, and in my case, because I had to do a lot of these tests inside of a data center, you have to be a person that has a toque and mittens <laughs> and a hat um, because it got really cold. Uh, and as a person that is a social butterfly and very extroverted, I started to feel quite lonely doing that job, as weird as that might sound. Because I would code all day, but I'd always be chatting with other devs and, and I never ever felt like lonely at work doing development work. But for some reason, like being a pen tester, I'm like, I'm literally in this giant data center <laughs> all by myself the whole weekend. This yeah, and I'm sure none of the devs and- or, or folks on the other side want to talk to you because you're the person who's there trying to break everything. <laughs> You know, I I haven't been in the security industry for like a terribly long time, but even in my, my several years, like, I feel like I've seen either not necessarily a shift in the entire industry, but like evidence of a shift because companies that I've worked with that have been around for a long time 
operate very differently than new companies. And I think a major way that I see that is how they define AppSec, right? And like my first definition of AppSec, which I think is fair to say is wrong, um, was I learned that because that's what I saw several companies doing as their entire AppSec, you know, work is here's our thing that we've had live. Here's our application that's been up on the internet for 10 years. I guess let's check it out. Like what's going on? Let's do a pen test. And it seems like, again, I don't want to say that this is a recent shift because I think it's a shift that's been happening for a while, but at different companies at different paces. Um, this idea of like, you know, the buzzword shift left, uh, moving security further left in the pipeline and like this idea of, of DevSecOps, which is another buzzword, but like very real. When I learned about the idea of shifting left, I was still working in the Canadian government. There's this guy named Damien and he would watch lots of conference talk, talk recordings from his desk when no one was looking. Like he's like, it's lunchtime. And he could go outside at lunch, but instead he's like, I want to watch this and I want to learn. And he was very obsessive about learning and was super encouraging of me learning. And he's like, we just got to shift this left. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, in the SDLC. And I'm like, do you mean earlier? He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, we keep doing pen tests at the yeah. end. Why are we doing that? I'm like, no, I agree. It sucks. But when I was a pen tester, I was like, I kept calling companies and saying, could I just show up two or three months earlier? And could we go over your design? And could we do this? And could we do that? And I remember my boss, the pen testing boss, was really ticked off at me. He's like, why are you bothering our clients way before your pen test? I'm like, I'm just going to run some quick scans and like they can fix those things. And then when I would give my final report, there would never be highs or criticals because I would have already walked them through fixing all of them and retested them at the end. And my boss was like, you can't find any criticals or highs. I'm like, well, I did, but they fixed them. So it doesn't go in the final report. And so the devs were like, we really like her. We look better <laughs> when she's around. And I had no idea that that's what I had been doing. And so he's like, yeah, there's this thing. It's called like shifting left or like pushing left. And so then I read about it. And then I ended up making a presentation about it called pushing left like a boss because I'm silly. <laughs> um, and and people were like, how, how do you do that? How do you start earlier? I'm like, you make the whole SDLC secure. So every single step, there's five steps, whether you're doing DevOps or Agile or whatever, but you still have to gather requirements. You still have to design. And basically, you just do a, a baby small version of whatever the thing is. So you just threat model the new feature instead of the whole app, or you just scan that new part of the code that they checked in, not the entire thing. And I'm like, so every time we do requirements, like we still have to figure out what we're building. And so why can't I add security? Like I know you're doing serverless. Well, these are things that concern me about serverless. So these are the rules or requirements for serverless. And I'm like, why don't we just tell them at the beginning what we want instead of telling them how wrong they are at the end? I don't want to give an adult a lecture. I want to like help them be awesome. Like I want to not find a lot of stuff in my pen test. I want that. I want to put myself out of the job. <laughs> and it sounds weird, but I'll always be able to be a dev, right? So why not? So I just have like one one kind of closeout question uh, for you um, that we that we we have like one final question that we ask all of our guests. So I would love to ask you, um, and it is: What okay. is something that we wouldn't know about you just from looking at your like online bio, social media, LinkedIn profile, things like that? And you can get as deep as you'd like. So on I was going to say whatever you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> well, I can't say music because now I already told you that. Um, but I'm also kind of a, a farmer now. That's cool. <laughs> um, so I started 
growing things. It sounds weird, but I went through burnout when I was a software developer and I read in books, like if you want to get over burnout, you should get lots of sun. You should try doing grounding exercises where you like (laughs) touch earth, which I thought was ridiculous. Honestly, I was like, that's so dumb, but apparently it really works and you should get exercise. So I was like, well, I'm hyper effective. So I'm going to do all three at the same time. And I landscaped my little itty bitty tiny property that I had. And I was like, oh, my stress, it sounds weird, but my stress just melted away. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to plant like a little vegetable garden. And I like, so just to be clear, I sucked. My thumb was black. It like everything would die. I, I, someone sent me this meme and it's this lady and she's holding these plants and she's like so happy with them. And it's like, hi, babies. Do you want to come home back home with me so you can die? (laughs) (laughs) I but now I'm actually really good at it. And I like plant flowers and I gather seeds. And so I ended up growing so much food last year that I actually, my neighbors insisted that I create a little farm stand so that they could buy it because I kept giving stuff for free and I made $550 for my little That's hobby. That's so cool. And so this year with special thanks to Bright Security acquiring my company, I bought a very small hobby farm and I'm so ridiculously excited. I'm planting flowers and my significant others planting things. And we're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much That's space. awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, that is yeah, so cool. I, I love gardening. <laughs> I had no idea that there was this magic thing where suddenly it's like, I have no stress. I don't know how to explain, but I like go into my greenhouse for a little bit and I plant some seeds or I do weeding, which sounds like really crappy hard work, but I just love it. It makes me so happy. And so, yeah, it turns out, yeah. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) It was really, really, really wonderful uh, getting to speak with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really, really lovely. Um, We're very appreciative. This was so fun. If you liked today's episode, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. It'll really help us get noticed on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, share this episode with your friends. And if you haven't already, make sure to check out all the other really fascinating people that we've already interviewed. We're also open to suggestions. If you know someone we should be talking to, drop us a line at we'reinpodcast at synac.com. That's we'reinpodcast at S-Y-N-A-C-K dot com. We're In is brought to you by Synac. If you're looking for on-demand, continuous access to the world's most skilled and trusted security researchers, you can learn more at Synac.com. Synac recently launched its Empower Partner Program so that partner organizations can more easily offer the Synac pen testing platform to their own customers. This approach helps optimize Synac partners' technical competencies and allows them to better integrate Synac into their portfolios. It's a way that partners can win new business by adding continuous, best-in-class solutions to cybersecurity, cloud, and DevSecOps offerings. Synac partners with organizations around the world to make them safer, more resistant to cyber attacks, and more capable of finding and fixing dangerous vulnerabilities before attackers are able to exploit them. Learn more at synac.com. That's S-Y-N-A-C-K dot com.